0: I've been looking at demographics recently, um, global demographics, as a part of my efforts to understand the world at large and how it all works together and what the role of, I guess, uh, the American populace is uh, in electing people and deciding what happens in the world. And the more... I've studied the the more a couple of really harsh realities have come into the fore. And they have to do with demographics and d- debt. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. So here we go. The first thing to know about demographics is replacement rate. What does that mean? Well, effectively, that is the number of births per couple that needs to occur for the population to be able to sustain its level, right? So if you want to keep a flatline population level, you need a little over two, well, let's say 2.3, well, with the modern world, 2.4 kids per couple, right? Obviously, nobody's going to have 2.4 kids. That just means for every family that has Two kids, you need one that has three. For every one that has one kid, you need one that has four, right? And I'm isolating this to just one man and one woman uh, because it's easy and because that is the fundamental unit of the human family. So if you have, on average, 2.4 kids per couple, right, per two people, you'll be able to sustain your population. Now, why more than two? Well, because some people just aren't going to get married. Some people aren't going to have kids. Um, Some kids are going to die young. Uh, Some people are going to run into accidents. There's a lot of causes that that lead to that extra number being necessary to maintain your population. Um, And for a long time in history, people needed to have more kids than this to sustain their population. But... This was because of very high levels of infant mortality, of youth mortality. Um, I mean, heck, a lot of wars, a lot of plagues, a lot of diseases, famines, what have you. People had to have a lot of kids because that was the only way to get any of them to survive to adulthood and and beyond. As as medical studies advanced, as uh, economics improved as we began to apply what we learned through scientific exploration founded, I I cannot but uh, state, (laughs) remind you all, that the basis of scientific exploration is the belief that the world is reliable and consistent and orderly as it is created by a reliable, consistent, and orderly God. Um, So this Christian fundamental led to an ability to apply the things that we learned from studying an orderly universe toward helping the neighbor. And in doing so, we have been able to dramatically decrease mortality and improve lifespans. The combination of longer lives and lower mortality led to a very abrupt spike in global populations. Right, We had a few years of exponential growth. Where we had a lot of kids come in all of a sudden. And and it didn't actually last that long, right? It maybe, maybe forty years. If you look at if you look at the demographic curve of global populations, the a majority of the spike is linear growth, right? Which means what? That means you're not having more and more kids every generation you're just consistently growing. So maybe maybe you are slightly above replacement or you have more people living longer. This is the way the mortality comes in, right? If your average person dies at age 60 in uh, the 17th century and your average person dies at age 80 in the 21st century, then you have a lot of people living a lot longer and that's going to add up Whole chunk, right? Another, you're, you're you're increasing your population there by a full thirty percent. So already there, you're you're adding more people in. You're you have more children born in that amount of time. This is combined with the fact that it took a while for people to adjust their birth rates uh, to actually reach more of a replacement level. So we've continued to see. Uh, the population of the planet increase at a very large rate, but not exponentially around the world. The biggest part, the biggest moment of this was the boomers, right? Oh, God bless the boomers. We love you. Um, we, we've got lots of problems with you. Just you're, you're, You are your generation's millennials, right? We love you. you we have some tension with you. But uh, for the purposes of this, right? This was the largest population. This happened in all developed countries, right? In first world countries of Europe, England, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, um, etc. In first world countries in the uh, East, right? Korea, Japan. Uh, these, these populations boomed right, right after the, the war, right? The, the Second World War. And this was I mean the whole world was coming out of a depression and partially thanks to America um, because we are very good at exporting our depressions. We have We have economies on both sides. So if, if one economy goes into depression, then we trade with the other side. If our economy goes into depression, both sides are hurt. okay? So we come out, everybody comes out of this depression together though, um, and now we are finally, Finally,, uh, having kids and growing populations and people are uh, living longer, and we're seeing massive improvements in technology and the like. And suddenly we get these worries, right? Ooh, maybe we're increasing too much, right? What if what if we're growing too fast? Um, this this idea of the the demographic bomb, right came out. Well, now, looking back at it, those, those were very wrong assumptions because they assumed we would continue to grow at that rate. And unfortunately, that hasn't happened. And I say unfortunately because we've, we've gone below replacement. We, we've begun to voluntarily decrease our human population. And I'll tell you why that's a, that's, that's a bad thing uh, as we keep going. But right, we'll, we'll deal with the evidence first the The population in America had this big old boom, and then we kind of kind of decreased a little bit, and then then the boomers had kids, and we had the millennials, right? The aforementioned millennials, who we treat much like their parents, and who act much like their parents, um, and we love them, but uh, <laughs> but the rest of the world didn't: Korea, Germany, Italy, England to, to, to a, you know, a lesser extent, the developed world outside of America didn't have millennials as a significant portion of their population. They've just been decreasing. They've just had lower and lower birth rates. And the funny thing is, it's not just in uh, the first world that we've seen some, some shifting because even in Africa... Even in um, South China, even in Eastern Germany, Russia, people have had lower birth rates. And uh, so even though they're still growing, places like Africa, right? They're still having more kids um, and still their populations are expanding. You know, I mean, heck, you have things like the one-child policy in China, so they only had one kid and a little bit extra, right? Because not everybody followed the law, thankfully. Uh, but they had mandatory population dec- decline. And and yet the odd thing is that the, the rest of the world has, has begun to do this voluntarily. Now, this isn't necessarily an exclusively bad idea, right? Obviously, human uh, desires are infinite and uh, resources are finite. However, human ingenuity is a limited is a limited resource as well. You need people to have people who are intelligent, people who can solve problems, can only solve them if they are born. And so, we have by decreasing our population decreased the pool from which we can draw problem solvers, engineers, firefighters. Um, politicians, military personnel, and it's not just us, it's the entire world. Are we surprised that we seem to see some signs of economic stagnation? Are we surprised that a lot of the um, developments that we see are developments in function? In application of existing technologies. Google, Google has been able to take the best and the brightest, and they have recently gotten a you know supercomputer, a quantum computer. You know, they've, they've developed these these really, really good pieces of technology, yes. Because the smartest and the best and the brightest are still the best and the brightest. But that's uh, that pool will continue to decrease. And this is assuming that we maintain current levels of prosperity across the world. This is assuming that we are able to continue feeding everyone. This is assuming that we don't go to war with one another. This is assuming that the economic systems of the world are able to keep up. And they're not. And they're not. The The issue with an economy is it, it needs to grow and it needs to grow in some way, right? You have, to, you have to grow economic output somehow. And if you have young people, then those young people need to buy things because they are living, right? Because they have needs, right? And they, they don't have a lot of assets, right? So if you're young and you want a house so that you can raise a family, you have to buy a house, which means you need a loan to buy a house generally because houses are expensive. So you get a loan for your house, and then you, you need a job, so you work a job. You probably need a car to get to your job. Um, maybe you have college loans, so you have, you have to pay those off. You have a lot of expenditures, right? And you have a lot of things that you need to buy anyway. You're, you're living life. You're um, going around, and, and and you are a consumer of products. Okay. As you get older, you don't need as much, right? Maybe you paid off the car, paid off the house paid off your kids college tuition now what are you gonna do well i mean you could still spend some money right boomer vacations um you know travel to buy a house in in arizona you know or florida travel the world go go take a tour of the united states whatever right you have money you you still have the 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 resources you've built up from a long uh hard-working life where you've you've gotten a home you've gotten a good job you have a lot of experience you're able to leverage that experience yeah good but you don't need as many things to buy and you're saving up for retirement when you eventually stop working your job because you don't want to work your job for the rest of your life okay and then you retire and you stay retired for 20 to 40 years as your health deteriorates um, as your abilities deteriorate, um, and you just you just kind of take things slowly. This is this is the way of the modern world. Is is you have made, let's say three economic stages, from and we'll do we'll uh, we'll do it in thirty year slots right the thirty years of massive amounts of consumption of resources, thirty years of saving and utilizing resources, and 30 years of consuming again. And uh, when you're in that younger space, right, you, you need somebody who has money, but you also need products. You are able to consume things so somebody can make products for you. And the more people are of that age, the more products you can sell, and the more that the work that they do is redistributed through the money they spend, and then you get a lot of work in and you get a lot of work out, your economy is going to grow, right? What do I mean by that? You, have, If you have a lot of people working, because you have a lot of people who, you know, we'll start with this. You have a lot of people, and they need to, do, they need things. So how are they going to get things? Well, they are going to work for them. And by working for them, they are going to earn money, right? A way of storing their hours. Well, if you have a lot of those hours being stored by a lot of that population, there are a, there are a lot of things that they can spend those thing those hours on, right? So you have a large group of people who are working, and a lot of and this all this group of people needs to spend on something. Um, if you have that large population group, you can have good competition between people to provide the things that they need so then their hours can go further. But the employer's um, stored money, right, hours, right, the hours that they give out are also um, able to go further. So your economy is able to grow. You're able to make more things exist and better things exist because you have a lot of people. And if you have an older generation that has extra money they can loan, then you're able to expedite this process. Because suddenly those people can spend other people's money immediately to get larger resources so they can do more things faster. Yeah? So if you have a car, you can do more things than if you don't have a car. Or if you have access to, you know, if you have a theoretically, if you have a college loan, you can do more than if you don't. So you can borrow someone else's time, pay it off to them with your own time over a longer period so that you can improve your ability to generate wealth. Um, so so now we've got the system where we have young people who are generating wealth because they're consuming things, and older people are able to uh, generate wealth because of their stored time, because they've been able to build up assets, they're able to use that that built-up set of assets in their favor. Okay. Well, what happens if you have a lot more old people than young people, though? What happens as your, your population ages? Well, there's less consumption possible. There's less people, fewer people. There are fewer people. For you, grammar people. There are fewer people who are able to consume and fewer people who need that stored work Of the older generations and more stored work of the older generations that they would like to make work for them in their favor that they would like to lend out to receive interest on and so since you have a lot of people who are lending and fewer people who are consuming you need to export you need to look outside of your own demographics so you have to look into some other country to find uh, a some people who are able to take care of this, who can who can take your money, so that they can pay you in their time, and you know if you're older, you can you can cover that difference. Otherwise, the economy of your country is going to suffer. It's going to decrease. Now, technological in, improvements are going to generally increase it, but you have to you have to increase beyond um, a certain limit, and this is where this is where debt comes in. This is where debt really really hits hard because a lot of countries when they had this boom realized hey you know what we're going to have a lot of taxpayers coming up and we're going to have our economies growing we can spend money now and and do the same thing that you would do like we're just pretend that there's an older generation lending us money And we'll pay it off when the younger generation arrives. Because we're going to get so much money from this younger generation, from the growth we get. We're going to make so much money. We'll be able to pay this off in spades. Right? We will grow faster than the debt grows. That is why our country doesn't, in America, we don't have to worry about the national debt. Because in theory... Our economy will grow faster than the debt does, that the, the interest rate on economic growth is better than the interest rate on the debt. And so if we were to simply stop spending, we would easily be able to afford the entire debt. We'd easily be able to afford interest payments. The debt would very quickly become nothing. And so it's okay for us to increase the debt in the minds of the politicians, because we're just going to keep growing. And as long as we just keep growing, well, we'll always be able to beat out the impending debt uh, crisis, right? There will never be a crisis because it will never be large enough as a percentage of our economic ability to really threaten us, right? That's That's what we don't see when we see that big number, is we don't see that it's tied to the economic ability of the country and because america has so much economic potential and strength as is i mean not to mention the fact that we have military might um, but because we are in such a strong position the debt really doesn't matter to us but the problem comes if the economy stops growing the problem comes if you're not able to tax that next generation as a percentage of that larger economy that isn't going to come because you didn't have a younger generation at all, and not at all, but you know it's smaller now, so you have less people to pay for a greater percentage of your economy because those fewer people are unable to keep the economy growing at the rate it needs to that is a recipe for disaster and it's not going to happen in america america if you remember america had the millennials we had the boomers we had gen x then we had the millennials and now we've got gen z we look like a like a chimney if you look at our demographic profile it's it's basically a chimney where we've got little little bumps right gen x is a little bit smaller right so when they're the main tax base uh, tax rates are going to go up in order to pay for all of our ridiculous spending. All right, when the millennials finally have to pay taxes, well, tax rates will go down again because they're big enough that we'll still be able to generate the right taxes um, to afford it all. When Gen Z comes up, well, we'll have to see who comes after Gen Z. It's in our, it's in everyone's favor to have more kids so that we have that large tax base. But, But as we are right now in America, we're fine because we had we had a consumption generation we had millennials and we're going to keep we're going to keep going as far as current trends go we also are we also are one of the if not the primary immigration country we've always had large amounts of immigration even if you look at modern you know trends right why what's so scary about them it's that we're importing so many people and we also have a lot of people coming over that we don't know about and that's a bit of a of a trouble right because then you know you you have all sorts of other economic issues that I've covered in previous podcasts um, where I told stories about them but but we we have and we will continue to try to bring in skilled workers from across the globe, people who are able to improve our economic position, people who can provide benefits to our our great nation uh, by their talents and their abilities. And that's going to continue happening because our economic magnet will remain strong. We will continue to have a strong economic profile. I mean, so long as we don't go totally socialist, but... There's enough corporate money in the system to keep us from going there. That's for sure. Thank goodness for corporate money. You're not going to hear many people say that. But, you know, corporate money plus um, nationalism uh, plus, you know, everything else. We are in the perfect storm to stay exactly where we are and not move anywhere. Which is great. Which is great. Um, frankly, America needs some time off from political change we need to we need to go backwards a little bit i would say and just kind of settle in to a nice happy place of hey you know what we're just going to we're just going to sit here for a while now we're not going to get that cuz we're america and we're we're freaky but but anyway yeah our econo- our economy is going to continue to grow as long as we bring in people as long as we maintain our current birth rates which are slightly below replacement but immigration covers the covers the back end right but canada won't canada canada has is well below replacement levels they've been that way for a long time so they are missing a demographic now alberta does have kids but they're one of the few territories in in canada that That does. And they've swung a little bit more uh, culturally conservative, which makes sense, right? Families with kids tend to vote for lower taxes. They also tend to vote for things that support families. It's reasonable. But the demographic future of your country is with families, and it always will be, because the demographic future of humans is with the very processes that make more humans great irony you can't fight it you can't beat it the only way to defeat it is to destroy yourself which is what's happening in germany which is what's happening in italy they don't have the populations to replace to replace those older generations they don't have the populations to keep their economies going if america steps out if we step away from the 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 table If we make them defend themselves militarily, if we say, you know what, Um, we've been paying for global peace for the past uh, 50 years and we're sick of it because you haven't been paying us dividends, Um, France and Germany and Poland and Italy and Spain and the Netherlands and Sweden and Russia, have not been able to attack each other. And we, that we're that we responsible for that in America. And as we step back, they have to defend themselves. And there are a lot of people in those countries who want to return to their own national identities, partially because they feel like they've lost them, and, I don't know, partially because maybe they are recognizing that their generations are dwindling, their countries are suffering out of The policies that don't support families. And that's their own fault. That's their own fault. And yet, it's about to hit them smack dab in the face really, really hard. Because they have debt too. And they made assumptions, just like America, that they'd be able to grow out of their debt. Italy has massive amounts of debt. Greece has massive amounts of debt. Ireland has massive amounts of debt. First world countries have massive amounts of debt because they've been trying to maintain their levels of prosperity. So if you try to do that, if you try to give out generous government assistance, government social safety nets, based on the principle that future taxpayers will be able to grow your economic profile to the point where that debt is irrelevant. That, that, uh, that policy would have worked if they had encouraged people to have more children, more economically productive children. But they didn't. They pushed a lot of policies instead that actively harmed the nuclear family right they've continued to push sexual licentiousness right i sound like an old folk right sound like an old out of touch fellow no look you can't support the nuclear family as well when you push sexual idolatry right the I, the worship of sex itself And that—because uh, because sex itself doesn't have kids, and it can't support children, and we've, we've separated sex from children. And in doing so, while pushing sex without pushing children, we've, we've unhooked the piece that tied civilization together because it allowed us to maintain humans. It allowed us to keep humans going. And so all these first world countries—Korea, Japan, Germany, Italy—these these countries are not gonna are not gonna survive. Now, there's a, there's some other countries that are growing right now, things like India or Brazil. Well, they've got debt too. They have massive debt. China? China's the worst. They have so much debt and a one-child policy. China's about to collapse. China China can't survive this because they don't have the demographics to support the, the debt they've taken on. And because they don't have the demographics, they can't support, they can't keep their wages low. They can't keep their wages as low as Mexico. So if you're going to put a plant to service the American economy, the great global economy, the economy, if you want to service that economy, do you want to put it halfway across the world in China where costs are rising, where government controls are increasing, or do you want to risk maybe a little bit of violence to put it down south in Mexico where transportation is cheaper, labor is cheaper, and you can probably get a better uh, handle on the government because it's at least self-interested enough to understand that it can't be completely restrictive because it's at least, you know, contradicted by the cartels enough that it's you know it has its own issues. You're not going to get this overbearing state. So companies are moving to Mexico, and American relations with Mexico are going to continue being good, and that will only further boost America's economy. Only further allowing us to escape the debt hole that we've, well, we've left the rest of the world in, and we're about to abandon them to their own devices. Unless they play by our rules, unless they come to us, unless they beg us to be merciful to them, to help them in their needs, To trade with them. And we will be able to extort whatever we want. We will be able to get cheap labor. Cheap, highly skilled labor. We will be able to make partnerships with whoever we want. On the whole. On the whole. We don't have to care about the old alliances. We don't have to care about who, who we used to be enemies with. As long as they can provide us the benefits we need. We can secure ourselves because we can field an army that they can't because we've not only had this debt while we actually had a population growing and an economy growing, we've also grown the largest military in human history, the most powerful force in human history at the same time. The best and most efficient military force on earth is at the service of the strongest economic power on earth with the most populous consumer base on earth, or maybe not most populous, but the strongest consumer base, right? Our young generations have more buying power than anybody else on earth. While at the same time, our lending generations, our older people have the most wealth of any country on earth and we're beginning to think to ourselves wait a second why did we need you guys why did we bug you guys right we're thinking about it in terms of good nationalistic principle good patriotic principles oh we shouldn't be n- bothering other nations we should let them govern themselves let them make their own decisions F- make them let them be free free right what we're exchanging is our taking the burden of their um, keeping shipping lanes open so that they could trade freely. We're trading that for us stepping back, being content with what we have, living within our own means because we believe that we're in trouble, while the rest of the world collapses because they can't afford the debt that they took on because they didn't have the kids that they were assuming they were going to have. And those those collapses that happen around the world are only going to increase our own fears, our own insularity, right? We're going to look at those those socialist, country, socialist countries, right? Those welfare programs that, that existed, and we're going to see them falling apart. And whole generations are going to look at that and say, hmm, we really don't want that, do we? Maybe we'll cut spending. Maybe maybe our military is going to step down a size or two. I don't know. We're going to be bringing in people from across the world who have skill because they're trying to escape these sinkholes of economic inability. They're going to try and come to America. We're going to have the ability to take the best at the same time that we are able to maintain our own population will be able to take in the people from around the world who are leaving the places that are already deprived of population so we can grow and grow at the expense of everyone else because we're just going to be better because we had kids. And and that's it's almost as simple as that. There's some other factors involved, right, us taking advantage of some of the, the fantastic resources we have available. The fact that we have property rights. The fact that we have uh, energy independence. Not thanks to renewable energy, but thanks to shale. Uh, and yet we also are one of the few um, first world countries that can actually implement green energy policies. I mean, hello. Arizona, you can have solar panels. Germany and Poland, you can't. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, It's not going to happen, right? We have rivers that you can dam. Uh, You can't do that very well in uh, other parts of the world. So we've been able to, you know, we have these resources. We've been able to take advantage of those resources, yes. But we wouldn't be able to if we didn't have the kids. Fundamentally, what makes, what's, what's continued to make America Successful and what will push us forward is the fact that in the midst of the, the the postmodern moment when people stepped back and said, You know what, we are in a very prosperous position. First world countries around the world said this, of, of different cultures said this, and, and other countries are are doing this as well. They're realizing, hey, you know what? Maybe we can change the way we've done things for thousands of years. Maybe we can change the way that we think of men and women and, and traditional gender roles. Maybe we'll think, rethink the family, rethink marriage, rethink how many kids we're going to have because we're, we're prosperous now. It's not going to last. It's not going to last. And America, it, for all the, the, the dumb things we've done to disincentivize and destroy the nuclear family with divorce and abortion and and you know pushing contraceptives and uh, and the sexual revolution and feminism you know, and re re all these all these problems for all that we still have sustainable demographics and we're alone with that we still can support ourselves with growth right because at the very least even if our even if our population isn't increasing technological advances have been able to improve the productivity of each individual worker so just having the exact same population means we're still going to grow maybe not as fast no not as fast but still grow and we'll still be able to outpace the debt we'll still be able to survive the debt we'll still be strong and still have our our freedoms and our stability and our peace while the rest of the world takes up arms to try and make up the difference and it's gonna be it's gonna be a wacky place it's going to be a crazy mad world but uh, we're going to be we're going to be fine and yet what are we what, what do i see going forward i foresee that in the midst of this demographic global demographic chaos we will see people in america adjust because it's what we we have continually done and part of that is we are free from the shackles of tradition. Which is not a good thing entirely, but but in this regard, right, when your tradition is bad, it's okay to get rid of it. And we'll go back to a more traditional way of life. I think we'll we'll see more nuclear families arise within the millennials. Who have at least two kids on the whole. And I think the next generation up is going to probably average about three. They'll try and have more sustainable marriages because they'll have been surrounded by such instability that they'll look to a place where they can find it and sustain it. And they will be trying to avoid the catastrophe that happens around the world as people come to America and seek culture and community. We may very well see that traditional sexuality... Returns to the four. Partially because I mean, those who push the the things that are immoral, um, they're just too they're just too annoying. Partially because they don't have kids. And and we are going to see in my mind a return a, a an overcorrection. An overcorrection. We're gonna have a little bit of an over over focus on pietism right from the lutheran perspective right you got to do things the right way because it's the way to do things and you know things aren't going to be okay unless you do it so we're doing these things because we think that's the right way to do it and yet people finding that they actually enjoy that maybe i don't know what that world is going to be like honestly if that happens i don't know what to expect because i'm i'm totally geared to fight a postmodern battle. I don't know what would happen if we had a more stable world. Or not a more stable world, a more stable country, a more stable culture, a, a group of people organizing together to build up their own community out of the common interests that they have. What on earth would that be like? Right by the end of the century what what could that what could that do right now i'm looking way ahead right we could we could end up in a very very interesting place as americans because of the blessings that we have so long as we settle down take things slowly and recognize one things aren't going to change they're not not for us. Not too much. Uh, in terms of, like, what do I mean by that? Politically, we're not going to see any kind of radical change in our lifetime, as, as, as I see, right? Especially not radical. We're, we are unlikely to see over-radical liberalization in the next few years, in my mind. We have to fight for that still, because there's a lot of people who are still deceived, but we have to fight for it. But demographically, we can win that fight. Demographically, we are primed for the conservative revolution or perhaps the political reformation of America as inspired by a loud-mouthed, brash, authority-hating German fella who can't seem to keep his mouth shut to save his career the the parallels are a little little strange little stretched i'll admit but uh, there you go you know and yet in our blessings the world the world will, will struggle we'll will be a a shining light that has an opportunity to potentially temper the nationalistic ideas that are coming across the oceans because what we will see in the collapse of the global order right so so america's doing fine we step back people have to take care of themselves um so then each country is going to start looking inward for its own strength, and try and say, what are we good at? What can we do? You're going to see a lot of countries in Europe, I think, um, be continually nationalistic, try to hold on to the one thing they have that we don't, which is history. Right, The one thing that other countries have is history. We don't have it. We're not going to have it for another 100, no, 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 500 or 1,000 years. If we get that far, you know, come Lord Jesus. But uh, if we get that far, then maybe we'll compete. But America just doesn't have that. So they'll be able to, other countries like, well, Germany, right? Why is Germany the big one? Well, because Germany's scary when they get, when they set their mind to things. Germany's very good at doing what they set their mind to. Um, And if they, you know, if they decide they want to be self-reliant, strong They would have be proud of who they are what kind of messages is that going to send to us over here and yet we don't have to fight a war we may we won't have to fight the war a second time well I sincerely hope not Um. but you know what if what was what happened last time? What if what if instead, though, right? Instead of trying to be Germany, they say, "Hey, we want to be Saxony." Now, wouldn't that be something? But even in that world, even in that world, America, America stands strong, and the and those places undergo great struggle and great tribulation because they're going to suffer for their short sightedness. And uh, pride. (laughs) I think they're going to look at us and say, oh, well, I guess that's not the answer. They're going to look at our egalitarian society based on, well, still. I mean, look at Kanye West, for pity's sake, still based on the Judeo-Christian ethic. Kanye West is starting a gospel revival, right? As in uh, gospel as in, like, the, the type of music, right? And the culture, right? Southern, Southern Baptist kind of revival stuff. That's what he's doing. One of the most most influential and wealthy rappers in the music industry. I don't know if it's a fad, but knowing America, it'll stick around for a little while. That's what revivalism does. It's our great beast. We can't escape, right? As Lutherans, we wish we, we could. We could just stop that train where it is but um, i don't know give it give it some time we'll, we'll see what happens america america really hasn't had a chance to deal with lutherans yet so we'll, we'll see what they think as they as they slowly realize we are we are the steady ship because we're founded on doctrine not not energy not enthusiasm you know not not feelings no doctrine doctrine doesn't change um, God be praised for that, but but how will the world look at us? Right, that's the question I'm asking right now. That's what I've been trying to ponder in these past few minutes. How's the world, as they are challenged, as they're struggling to deal with all of these different ideologies, cultures? How are they going to deal with it? Part of the additional challenge in the West. This This doesn't apply to South Korea or Japan, but it applies to Germany, Italy, France, Sweden. They've brought in a lot of economic migrants from the third world. And I understand why, looking at their own demographics. It has nothing to do with mercy. It has everything to do with trying to sustain their population. They are desperately hoping that people from high birth rate societies will come in and have kids, but they don't. People who move to developed countries, people who moved to first world countries adopt first world birth rates, and third world countries are adopting them anyway. You cannot import growth. You can import a few people, like, like America, you can import just enough to sustain yourself, if you have a sufficient demographic basis, but you cannot import yourself out of a demographic winter. And what you're doing is you're breeding cultural contempt. Because there are people who are looking for whatever they can grab a hold of, and they're trying to grab a hold of their own identities, their historic identities, their cultural identities, and sadly as i've as i've come to discover in in europe their racial identities and why is this sad i'm not going to say it's sad because they're wrong because europe is a different place a place that has always had an ethnic population i'm saying it's sad because europe used to be christian it used to have some philosophy that undergirded it that uh, was more egalitarian in regards to race, and less egalitarian when it came to culture, which which had restrictions by means of things that that they that it supported, and things that it didn't. People uh, were not encouraged to do things like steal, and murder, and rape. And there are other cultures that they're that they're bringing in in an attempt to rectify their demographic profile, which do not always have those those ideas, and which may not see the world the same way they do. Am I am I going to say that's that's cat- cat- catastrophic? No, because of well the fact that they're going to adopt the the birth rates of those countries anyway, right? It's a it's a temporary fix and it's a small fix. But when the nationalists come, when the, the people try to hang on to the only thing they have, which is their culture, their history, their roots, the people who have just recently arrived will not be welcome, and there will be violence. And it will be ugly. And if the Middle East is, and, and, and Africa are still um, hostile places, which they may very well be because those places are going to undergo their own challenges— where are they going to go? What's going to happen? And are we in America going to be dragged into a war to defend the, you know, some people over there who moved there because they were invited there by an economic system that was run through the government that gave them money they didn't have, assuming that they were going to have more kids so they could support the money they were giving out now? Are we going to be called to account for the foolishness of other nations? Or are we going to remain in ourselves and uh, try and rectify our own cultural challenges by trying to overcome the postmodern zeitgeist in a nation that has no cultural heritage worth, well, no long cultural heritage, right? No long history. We do have one, and I would say it is stronger than other nations because it's based on principles. But uh, we don't have, we don't have a long, ancient history of full of legends and tales. We have, well, we have our own heroes, but none of our heroes have swords. <laughs> none of our heroes fight dragons. We have guns. We have freedom, individuality, and let's hope that's enough. But we're going to have to make up our minds. In the near future, I'd say probably, eh, let's say 30, 40 years. Because right? we have we have enough stubborn-headed old people to keep this dumb thing going for a while. But my generations, the millennials and Gen Z, are going to have to make the decision whether or not we are going to involve ourselves with the world. And that is going to be a very difficult thing to do. And I I hope, I very much hope that the rest of the world doesn't need us and that they find their own way to get along peacefully, to maybe even challenge American economic supremacy by creating their own free systems of trade. And who am I kidding? We're, We're human. And... Even in America, it'll be in our best interest to keep them uh, keep them fighting, because that way, our money's worth more. Our debt is comparatively smaller. We may very well become the mercenary kingdom. All comparisons to Rome can may, may very well collapse. I don't think we're Rome. I think everyone else is Rome. They tried. They tried expanding themselves into this massive empires, spending money on welfare states, keeping their own people wealthy while other people fought their wars. Well, the barbarians have a better economy now. They're not invading Rome. They're abandoning it. They're not coming to settle your kingdoms. They're coming away. They're abandoning your nation, they're abandoning your places because they've got their own. So we're a, we may enter a new age, an old age. Truly, you know, they're going to go back to imperialism, potentially. Right? The nations are going to have to recover somehow. But we're we're going to enter something strange, and here in America, we are going to freak out. But we're also going to have the opportunity to shape the picture of what the rest of the world wants to make themselves because they're going to try and shape themselves on what works. And that's why right now is critical. Not because right now is is the end-all and be-all. No. Because right now, the things that we make habits out of the things that we take for granted, we begin to take for granted, we decide to take for granted are the things that in 40 years are going to be the norm, are going to be the things that foreigners see when they think of America. And so we have a chance right now to establish what becomes the slow burn, the slow change. We have time. We have resources. All we have to do is set our minds to do what we want to make the world that we want to make. In little bits and pieces, and it starts starts in the, just the community level, starts in the local church, starts in the family, starts with your friends. We have that kind of time. We don't have an emergency. We don't have to fix it now. Now, we do have to fight the fight against those who would destroy it. Yes, there are those who desire to undermine all of it. Yeah, yeah. Now there are socialists, communists, postmodernists, neo-Marxists, yes. But so long as we are vigilant against that, we have time to re-establish culture truth, dignity, decency within our culture and to breed you no know, it may sound a little bit I don't know gauche to let's let me I'll use the better word to raise a generation that can be the envy of the world and it's all within our power. All we have to do, oddly enough, is exactly what every other generation of humans has done before us. Have kids, raise those kids so that those kids can have more kids and teach them what they need to know to maintain and sustain human prosperity and A significant part of that, and a more important part of that, is not just prosperity, but teaching and passing on the faith, which I truly believe is one of the reasons why America has continued to have kids. America has latent Christianity to thank for the blessings, the bountiful economic and cultural blessings. It is about to receive.